we are in a time where every product, every company, every organization has a community that goes along with it. Even McDonald's, even, I don't know, your favorite tourist attraction has a community that goes along to it that feels loyal to that place. So community managers come in and they say, how can we engage these people so that beyond the time that they're interacting with our product or our brand or our tourist attraction, they are still evangelizing our product or our tourist attraction. Think about the who's who in podcasting. Someone you see on Twitter 24-7, chatting up the industry topics, networking, and providing value for others. Go ahead. I'll give you a minute. If you didn't say Ariel Nissenblatt, community manager at Squadcast.fm, you're simply following the wrong podcasters online. This might be the only time I tell you to pause the show and go give her a follow on Twitter. But we're not here to talk specifically about podcasting today or how to record an interview using Squadcast. No, we're here to talk about building community around your show. Podcasters that have hit a bit of a plateau in either growing the numbers or monetizing your content, listen up. Building a community isn't about that fancy new Discord server you just spun up or the ConvertKit newsletter you keep adjusting. No, it's about, and say it with me now, helping other humans. Get ready for some note-taking, or at the very least, star this episode in your player because you're going to want to come back to this episode over and over and over again, dear listener. You're listening to the audience podcast found at castos.com. Maybe we can be your podcast's new home with blazing fast podcast hosting, analytics, podcast 2.0 features, and members-only podcasting if you want to serve up audio just to your community. Think about it. Members-only podcasting. Check it out at castos.com. Okay, here's Ariel Nissenblatt, rhymes with this and that, diving into building community. We are in a time where... Every product, every company, every organization has a community that goes along with it. Even McDonald's, even, I don't know, your favorite tourist attraction has a community that goes along to it that feels loyal to that place. So community managers come in and they say, how can we engage these people so that beyond the time that they're interacting with our product or our brand or our tourist attraction, they are still evangelizing our product or our tourist attraction. So that's kind of what I do. I chat with squadcasters. I chat with people who are potentially becoming remote recording uh, enthusiasts. And I say, you know, what do you love about Squadcast? What would you love more about Squadcast? And how how can we make you have a better time? And sometimes that means beyond interacting with us and giving them resources for promoting their show or marketing their podcast, anything like that. That's what a community manager does and a bunch of other things. And we can, we'll probably get there throughout this chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So- uh, it's a million questions, but I think a lot of podcasters listening to this, a lot of creators are always looking to build a community around their podcast. And myself included, I've been doing it for, you know, podcasting anyway, for a decade. And then I just think to myself, okay, I want to, I want a community. I guess I'll just spin up a discord server and I'm done. No, <laughs> you're not done. So, what, what do you have to do? What kind of investment? Let's start with that. What kind of yeah. mental investment does one need to make to start ushering a community in through the doors of, let's say, a Discord? Or do you recommend something else to yeah. just get people moving? There are a lot of factors to consider before deciding where to house your community. So first off, McDonald's is not going to have the same community programs as Castos is, as Squadcast is, as the High Line in New York City is. So let's go, let's take the McDonald's route. 
Maybe the community surrounding McDonald's is surrounding a specific McDonald's in the na- in your neighborhood and that and for some reason that McDonald's has the ability to invite a community. So every Friday they come and they test the new products. That's a great that's kind of like a beta tester. You can compare that to like being a beta tester for Castos. That's great. Um but that's not going to be the same tasting biscuits is not going to be the same as the uh community program that Squadcast is going to have. So what we do for Squadcast, for example, is we did this long vetting process for people who wanted to become part of the Squad Pod, which is the Squadcast community. And the way that I started it was I created a Google form and I said, do you want to be part of this kind of smaller, more niche community within Squadcast, people who are using Squadcast that are going to have more access to the Squadcast team, that are going to have access to products before they release, that are going to have access to resources that we're going to offer, that Ariel, me, is going to offer. And I'll talk about those in a second. And people filled that out. So I got their email address. I got their answers to my questions. And then I emailed them again and I said, let's do a kickoff call. And whoever attended that was then given the next set of directions, which was to go and join us on Slack. So those were a few hoops to jump through to find out if they were really committed to building this community with Squadcast. And that meant that the people who made it were very interested, very invested. Um, What not to do is to just say, community, establish now, and then expect people to go there. (laughs) If you in like the Ron Burgundy news, news team assemble sound. Right. (laughs) Right. If you build it, they will not come because you haven't asked them what they want. So that was a big part of it was asking them what they want and figuring out how often they want to interact with us, where they want to interact with us. Does it, should it be asynchronous? Should it be synchronous? These are all questions to ask. Um, And just to go back to the kind of McDonald's of it all, McDonald's has a community. You have to establish what you want your community to do for you. So for that, that McDonald's example, It's helpful to know in a specific area of the Lower East Side of Manhattan, do these people like these biscuits? Because those are the people who are going to be consuming those biscuits, right? But for me as Squadcast, I want to find out, is is the group of people who have volunteered to become uh, our squad pod, are they the people who are representative of the larger Squadcast community? To a certain extent, yes. They're a little bit more engaged than the others, but they do use the product in the same way. So using them for beta testing is probably a good way to go. Yeah. I like that because it's not, you sort of peel back the um, the pressure to make, let's say, like a, an, a another tool perform for you. So it's like, if I booted up, let's say, a circle instance, and I'm like, hey, everybody, go join here. And then, you, and then as the owner, you're just looking at it going, I got to create all these rooms. Yeah. I have to fill out all this content. And the last thing I want to do is launch it, and then nobody posts anything. So community, it doesn't have to just be this place where it's just a centralized area of, of communication. Community starts to form around just beta testers. And then you can just, you can have those moments where you all get in a room virtually or not. And just talk about your experience as beta testers, but the action isn't go post on this thread. Right. The action is test this for us. Yeah. And then, and then feedback, and then we'll all coalesce at the end of it. So for for us, for Squad Pod, beta testers are just a part of our community. They're a sub part of the community. So right now, where our community mostly lives is on Slack, but we also have Facebook groups. Those Facebook groups are as I'm sure a lot of people are finding. Actually, maybe not. The podcast space is sort of an anomaly here. Um, Our Facebook groups are not where our community is the most active. And the reason I say maybe not is because if you go to like the Buzzsprout Facebook group or podcast movement, there are tons of posts every minute. 
A lot of them are garbage and a lot of them right. are self-promotion. Um, so I, don't, I would argue that, yes, community is being formed there, but is it the most constructive or useful or best place to spend your time? Probably not. So we like to really keep our Slack channel high quality. You know, we've got a section in there for people to ask questions about the tech within Squadcast. We've got a section in there for people to ask questions about upcoming features to say, hey, I need feedback on this episode or I have some new cover art. Would you, would you mind looking it up? Would you mind checking it out? And then we also have things like um, we do a monthly squad pod it, which is a Squadcast podcast audit. So anybody can volunteer to have their show audited by me. I'll listen to it a few episodes and then I'll come with a list of things that I think are terrible about it. And then a list of things that I think you're doing amazing, sweetie. <laughs> and then how to, how to, you know, how to reconcile those and also some marketing tips. Um, and of course, I'm not that harsh. I'm not that mean to them, but you know, it is what it is. We've talked about, uh, we as in the Castle Steam have talked about Slack channel or Discord or a circle. Uh, we had, we've, I've, I've been charged to do it. I haven't done it. <laughs> I keep talking about it. Um, and, and my biggest concern is, boy, what happens when it's just it just becomes a support portal? Yeah, that's how do you manage that? And and do you like draw a line at all? You say, yeah, oh, the heck with it. Right, you, so th that's a good question because it's definitely something that we thought about. Community. I, I also run social media and content at Squadcast, but. Social media often turns into customer support because people go there so that they can air their grievances with a product, right? They love to do that. When we started these Facebook groups, we were getting a lot of support questions and I would reject. So I have, you know, the, the procedure in place where your post has to be approved. And so I would reject it and give feedback and say, hey, we try to keep this channel as a community group, not a support channel. Please email support at squadcast.fm. Great. And that's mostly understood by the people who are posting their support questions. In the Slack channel, we had people posting in our general channel questions about the product. And so I would say, I would DM them and I'd say, hey, that sounds like a support question to me. And if it was small enough or if the person, if we knew them, I would say I would bring our head of support into the chat. And that's kind of one of the perks of just being part of the community. Or I'd say, hey, do you mind emailing support at squadcast.fm? And nine times out of 10, they're very happy to delete their original post so that most people don't pile on and say, I've had this problem too. Or like, why can't I post my support question here? And they're just happy to ask the question where it's meant to be asked. So that's how we avoid these channels becoming support channels, but it is definitely a concern. Here's a great example. I'm part of a community called Pod People. Pod People is a kind of like a podcast agency. So one, it's mostly for freelancers in the audio space. So if you are an editor, if you are a producer, if you have video skills, if you have, you know, the list could go on all day, you input your information into Pod People and you say, I'm interested in jobs in, and then you check a bunch of different boxes, either places or areas of expertise. And if the match is right, they'll put you up for the job. Then you interview with that place. Great. So there are a thousand more. I don't even know how many people in this pod people community. And for a while, they were doing in-person networking events in Los Angeles and New York. And they're still doing those when it's safe. But they just started a community on Circle. And uh, for those who don't know, that's circle.so. It's a community platform. And it is thriving, it seems like, because the people within there 
are all freelancers. So they have questions about freelancing. So I would say that's the thing that ties them together. And so you need to decide as Castos, what is the thing that's tying these people together? Yes, they're using Castos, but more so than that, they're creators, right? But what about them? What within creativity is unique to them? And what right. do you want them to do? And what do they want to do for you by being be, by being part of this community? Right, right, right. And if you're, as a podcaster, if you're listening to this and starting your own community, apply that same logic to uh, your particular vertical solution, membership, digital product, whatever it is that you might yeah. be selling. A great example is, um, I know you want to move on, but let me just give a concrete example because I'm a concrete example person. <laughs> um, there's a podcast called I Know Dino which is hosted by Garrett and Sabrina Ritchie, I think is her last name. His last name is Kruger. And um, they initially started their community just around love of dinosaurs. They went to a lot of museums. They love dinosaurs. They started making a map of where all the dinosaur museums in the world were. Then they wrote a book. Then they were like, let's also make a podcast because we realize that there's not really one in this niche specifically, which is people who are obsessed with dinosaurs, but aren't paleontologists. Paley and yeah, aren't dinosaur experts. People. <laughs> yes, dinosaur <laughs> people. And so they started this podcast and it took off because they already had a community and then they essentially created a podcast for their community. And then on Discord, they created a Discord. And on Discord, they have a bunch of different processes in place that contribute to the production of their podcast. So they'll say, hey, dinosaur of the week. Here's the dinosaur of the week. Here's what we talked about on the podcast. What should be our dinosaur next week? That gives the community some stake in it. Now onto something a little bit more challenging, something that I face here at Castles. And maybe you've actually talked to me on one of our open office hours every Thursday at 12 o'clock. But what happens when you have customers that just don't know the podcasting industry and there's so many other technical questions other than using just Squadcast or in my case, Castos, how do you get through all of that overhead? When they first start up, they usually know what podcasting is. They've usually purchased their mics. They've usually purchased their headphones. They know they need to wear headphones. They have their ideas for their show all you know, ironed out. And that's because they're spending money on a platform like Squadcast. So they're probably more serious. Zoom is free to a certain extent. It is easy. It's already installed on a lot of people's computers. If it's not, they've heard of it because it had such a big pandemic spike. Squadcast is probably more of a podcaster's podcast tool, if that makes sense. Um, so they know podcasting to a certain extent. What they don't know is the marketing aspect. A lot of people get into podcasting because they think, I'm going to make a million dollars talking to my friend about beer. You are not going to make a million dollars. You're not going to make a thousand dollars. It's got to be really, really interesting. And you have to have a niche. And that is what I'm there to teach is it's okay to have a podcast about beer talking to your best friend, but maybe you're doing it only talking about beer from your hometown, or you're also brewing while you're talking something unique like that. It's got to be something interesting. So most of the time on Slack, I am fielding questions about you know, how does the headline and pod news affect you today? Um, and then we do recaps of podcast events. So we did a recap of podcast movement that took place last month. Um, and that was really helpful for people who couldn't make it. We try to just give folks opportunities to be in the know about what's going on in the podcast space beyond just their individual podcast. Because I think a lot of people say, I'm going to start a podcast about dating. And that's great. But there's 700,000 others about dating. And so you need to know about those shows and you need to know what they're doing that's successful so that you can emulate that or steer clear of it because it is not in your niche. 
there's a constant tug of war between creativity and creating shows that are just utilitarian. You come up with a news piece, you come up with a tutorial, a how-to segment, which kind of goes against the grain that you hear from a lot of industry podcast insiders that make great shows, gripping stories, etc., etc. And it's something that I do here at Castos a lot is advocating for that that show that informs and educates. And I was really interested to hear what Ariel had to say about that. Even if your podcast is utilitarian, even if it is every episode is a how-to and the how-to is very dry, how to paint your house, how to um, change your cell phone case, literally like whatever it is <laughs> that just came to my head, how to put an AirPod into your ear, even if it is that and it, I think that can be told in a way you don't necessarily have to like set the scene and tell a story and for there to be tech noises and all that kind of stuff. But I think there's a way to tell a story to grip people because every part of our conversation should be gripping. And maybe it's by changing the inflection of your voice. Maybe it's in telling a story about how you broke your phone and therefore you need to re replace your your case. Anything like that. I think um, that's what grips us. That's what gets us excited to listen into a story. So I can imagine when you're tell when you're giving the news about WordPress, you're giving examples, right? You know, you're not just saying like, here are the headlines in WordPress for business. You're saying, um, here's what's going on in the WordPress world. WordPress world. That's hard to say. <laughs> the, one of the other questions, we started to talk about this earlier, but there's that whole thing of, of monetization. And as an indie, uh, air quotes, mm. indie podcaster. <laughs> I know that term is getting really elusive these days. Like Warner Brothers could launch an indie show. Yeah, <laughs> but, like your but you know Brothers. what? How is that possible? People use this word wrong all the time. I independent. How, I, yeah, indie often becomes synonymous with like just low quality, <laughs> which it, it shouldn't be. Like there's there's low quality podcasts that are not independent. Um, and there's a uh, high quality podcast that are independent and that just is what it is. And, um, yeah, I think people definitely misuse the word, but anyway, continue. Monetization as, uh, as an independent, is that, is yeah, that, we'll, we'll yeah, go with as that? an independent creator, <laughs> as somebody who's not network backed as an independent creator. Um, uh, so a lot of folks come to Cassos. Where do we get the ads? Where do we get the ad inventory? Yeah. How, you know, how do I do this? Oh man, I'm of the mindset. I grew up in sales, so it's sort of just like, I guess, baked in me. But there's one is just realizing the value of the quality that you put out in a podcast. Uh, even if it's like season one, your first time ever. Like, I think that if you value that and you are trying, you could turn to a brand, yeah. knock on their door and say, would you sponsor me for a thousand bucks? These 12 episodes that I'm going to, produce over the next year like i think people can yeah. do that is there is there something there that that we should be teaching people more on how to engage in that way instead of just going to massive ad network brian barletta please <laughs> don't throw your phone <laughs> i don't think brian barletta would be uh no i don't yeah <laughs> but brian barletta shout out <laughs> sounds profitable is a great newsletter yeah. um yeah, yeah i think that i actually tweeted this about a week and a half ago i tweeted most people don't know that you can monetize your podcast before you reach 10,000 downloads. And the reason that came about was because I was hosting a webinar with Brian Baltashevich, I believe is how his name is pronounced, 
call me out, uh, from Queen City Podcast Network in Charlotte, North Carolina. And the webinar was about burnout and how to avoid burnout as a podcaster. And of course, people said, you know, one of the things that burns them out is searching for sponsors. And how do I search for a sponsor? Because it would make it a lot more worth it if I had a little bit more money coming in for all the money that I'm spending. And somebody said, I would love to go out and pitch sponsors, but I don't have 10,000 downloads. And I was like rolling my eyes because it is such a misconception. I don't know where 10,000 comes from. In theory, yeah, 10,000 is a great number. You want to get 10,000, you want to get 50,000. But if you have 500 people who are listening to your podcast and your niche is about cell phone cases designed by indie cell phone case creators, (laughs) you're going to have a really great market to sell an ad to. Um, And let me just, uh, because that analogy might've been confusing, let's go with a a broader one. Say you have a podcast about beluga whales, which is the example that I always use. If you listen to me talk on any podcast, I bring up beluga whales. So it's kind of like a bingo card for myself that I just brought it up now. (laughs) Um, Yeah. If you have a podcast about beluga whales, you could go after any aquarium near you. You could go after any, um, I don't know, fish, a a store that sells fish, anything that is related, you could go for. And I think a lot of people don't know this because they've, they Google how to start a podcast or how to monetize your podcast. And they get these lists of how to monetize your podcast. And they're very, they treat it as if there is one correct way. And that is just not the truth. There are many, there are many ways to go after sponsors. Um, and I think it really comes down to having the right pitch. And a lot of podcasters have PR and perception problems because either their artwork is ugly or their social media is, they're just self-promoting all over the place and it does not look cute. Or they are um, posting things that are irrelevant and they're, they're, they're making critical mistakes on social media and on their websites that turn potential sponsors away. So I've been spending a lot of time on Podcorn lately. Um, Podcorn is a monetization platform that connects brands with advertisers. And it's great if you know how to pitch, if your pitch is great. Somebody sent me, I'm just going on and on. Let me, let me let you jump in. No, no, no. I want to hear the popcorn story. (laughs) Somebody sent me. So a few weeks ago when I tweeted that, I said, your podcast can be monetized before you reach 10,000 downloads. Then I subtweeted it. Ask me how. And a bunch of people said, how? And I said, great. What's your podcast about? I needed to have a little bit more context before I went into it. And somebody um, somebody asked me if they could send me their pitch letter. And I said, yes, please do. They sent me their pitch letter and it was impersonal. It, was, it had spelling mistakes. It had just a, t- a whole ton of problems to it. So I wrote back a pitch letter that I thought would do well based on their content. And I'm happy to do that for anybody if they're listening to this and want some feedback. But really the name of the game when you're pitching is you should be willing to give as much as you're willing to receive. And I think that that can be applied to anything in life, but especially when you're asking for money, you need to be willing to say, yes, I want your money, but I am going to work so hard for you. And that does not mean writing. I am going to work so hard for you. It means proving it. Uh, I want to wrap up with a couple of uh, personal questions. How in God's name do you keep up with all of these podcasts <laughs> that I see you talk about on Twitter? Do you listen to podcasts 24 hours a day? Do you go to bed listening to podcasts? Yeah. How do you do I, I was actually thinking about this the other day. Yes, I listen on 1.8 speed, most podcasts, but it's also because I'm very lucky to live alone. Um, I was thinking if I did not live alone, I would have to consider somebody else's 
ear space. That sounds awful. So yeah. Somebody wants to oh talk to me? Oh my God, it sounds this? terrible. So yeah, I listen when I wake up. I listen to four podcasts in the morning, then the daily news shows. Then I go for a walk around lunchtime. And then in the evening, I walk to a dinner date or something like that. And I listen to a podcast and on the way back as well. Um, I haven't worked out in months, but if I were to work out, that would be a time that I would spend listening to podcasts. I clean my room a lot. I clean my apartment a lot listening to podcasts. Um, yeah, I, I really try to make time for it. I don't watch much TV. I haven't read a book in embarrassing number of years. It is not good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what are God, books it's, these days? But you know what? I'll say, you know, it's here's where that becomes interesting is the other day my I was talking to my friend who reads a lot. And he said to me, do you know how to pronounce the White House press secretary's last name? And I said, yeah, Saki, P-S-A-K-I. And he goes, oh, I didn't know that because I just read about it. And I was like, I only know that because I listen to it. Because <laughs> you listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> Pasaki. <laughs> um, so I, I was thinking about Tom Webster at, at Podcast Movement when he was talking about the consumption of podcasts on YouTube. And I felt like there was this collective like sigh from the podcasters of the world. And even myself, I was like, well, I, I'm actually on YouTube a lot. I don't really listen to any podcasts. And then YouTube got me, Google got me, and I finally signed up for YouTube Premium to to be ad-free. And number one, I don't know how I lived without it. Hmm. I played literally one video with no ad, and my brain didn't know what to do. Like There was like a thing in my head was like, where's the ad? There's no ad. This is amazing. But the other thing which it unlocked, which I totally didn't realize is that you can minimize YouTube and still play oh. it on the phone. And I was like... That's a premium feature? Yes, it's a premium feature. And I was like, oh, this is how you could just do a podcast on YouTube because you can just shut the app and it I still plays. I did not plays. realize that. Um, so yeah, like it's just, it's crazy. Where I, I, didn't, I, I didn't have a real direction with that, state, with that <laughs> question, but it was just like, yes, YouTube, listening habits, like it can happen all over the place. Last question. Twitter engagement is also through the roof. How do you come up with all these ideas? I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's a really great question. I shout out to hashtag tweet 100 from Jay Klaus, tweet100.com. It's an 100 day challenge to tweet important things or one thing a day at least that you think is helpful to somebody else. A lot of people are using it to just tweet whatever. I have challenged myself to put something out there that I would have liked to see if I were in the beginning stages of my podcasting journey. I've I've been tweeting for a long time before that, though. Um, I would say in June, I decided I wanted to put out helpful content because I listened to a talk by a woman named Randall Kana, who was at Gumroad at the time. I don't know where she's at now. But she said, if you want to grow your influence on Twitter, you need to give things away for free. And they can be high value and they can be low time commitment. And so I've been working to do that and to establish myself as somebody who is helpful, who people can come to and ask questions. And I would say some people are taking advantage of me, (laughs) which is interesting. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like I've had a few people reach out and say, um, hey, you're really helpful. Can you look at this for me? And it's like, uh, I can if I have time, but also you should pay me for things like that. So I'm learning where my boundaries are. And that's a lesson to both me and to anybody who's listening who doesn't know where their boundaries are when it comes to freelance. Um, But for the most part, I'm really enjoying what people are saying to me as as I'm on this helpful journey. And uh, sometimes the tweets that quote unquote do the best are the ones that I connect other people through. Yesterday I tweeted, uh, let's do a podcast guest slash host match. 
And I had people tweet if they were interested in becoming a host or or if they were interested in um, having guests on their show and then if they were interested in be- being a guest on somebody's show. And I made a bunch of different connections through that. And um, I'm happy that that's hosted on my page, that people are seeing that I am facilitating these connections. And yeah. so I think um, good ideas beget good ideas for me. So I'll have like a few afternoons a week where I'm like, oh, that's a great tweet. That's a great tweet. That's a great tweet. Lots of incoming thoughts in the brain. And other times where I tweet things that are garbage and I will delete them. And I I am honest about that. I think sometimes I, I think it's a great idea. And then I'm like, oh, this didn't do well. No shame, deleting, whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. Well, good news for you is we now have the uh, tips functionality on Twitter. Uh, so that if uh, if you unlock that, if you go to your profile in Twitter, scroll to the bottom, it's a short screen, scroll to the bottom of editing, editing your profile and enable tips, people can send you uh, the sort of like the podcast 2.0 stuff, the lightning, the Satoshis, the Bitcoin. So cool. So you cool. Can, people can start, t- you can say, hey, why don't you tip me first? And then I'll answer yeah. this question. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Ariel, this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, where else can folks find you to say thanks? What's the big call to action that people should do after listening to the show? Google my name. It's probably the best way to find me. I am extremely online and there is nobody else with my name. Ariel Nissenblatt. Sounds like this and that. Squadcast.fm, fantastic tool for recording your podcast. We are using it right now. We always use it when we record here on the Audience Podcast. Castos.com slash audience. Don't forget to follow our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. By the time this episode goes out, our new website will be live. We really hope you like the new branding. We hope you like the new branding inside the podcast hosting. Hey, it's Matt. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review on Podchaser. Share it with others. Most importantly, castos.com slash audience. You heard me start to chat about our new website. Check it out. Castos.com slash Audience, if you're looking for a new home for your podcast, you want to start a 14-day free trial, see if we're maybe just a little bit easier, a little bit better than your current host, check us out. At castos.com, you can host your public podcast, you can host your private podcast, you can send audios to your audios. You can send audios to your community or paid community. Totally up to you. Check it out. Castos.com for all your podcasting needs.